Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. All right, that is one of the ways that rock and roll has sounded over time. Um, and it was, uh, of course, that was Kenny G. No, that was uh, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, and it was guitar-driven, the guitar solo, and the, the kind of strange magic that Jimi Hendrix uh, exerted over a guitar uh, was very much at the heart of what we understood rock music to be. Um, so today on the show, we're going to talk about whether the role of the guitar has changed, whether the notion of a guitar hero is what it used to be. Well, I, I realize that guitar hero is now much more commonly used to describe some kind of electronic like video-like game <laughs> as opposed to an actual guitar hero. That may be part of the problem. But just to sort of make that segue, so that's what rock and roll fundamentally, primordially sounded like at a certain time in its existence. You could argue that if you turned on the radio today, you'd be more apt to hear something like this. I'm trying to put you in the worst mood. Uh, P1 cleaner than your church shoes. Uh, belly point two just to hurt you. Uh, That, of course, is Al Martino. Boy, he has changed his sound. It's uh, adaptable. That's right. So, no, that's the weekend. And uh, we're performing with Daft Punk. Punk, I am told that was the number one song of the first week of 2017. So, no guitar really there. No no noticeable guitar. So, we're going to talk about this now. Uh, in studio, we have an actual guitar hero, Jim Chapterlain, Emmy Award-winning musician, producer, composer, and recording engineer. Uh, joining us by phone is Jeff Edgers, a national arts reporter for The Washington Post. His story, Why My Guitar Gently Weeps, The Slow Secret Death of the Six-String Electric and Why You Should Care, ran in June. So, um... So I guess maybe, Jeff, I'm going to begin with you and just have you sort of, uh, state the essential nutshell premise of the argument you made. Well, it wasn't, um, it wasn't really an argument. I mean, it was like a, uh, a reality in many ways. And what it was talking about, you know, probably a couple of years ago, I was working on a story and I heard this alarming statistic. Sorry, that's my dog. I don't know if you guys can live with that. Um, I heard this alarming statistic where... Um, when you looked at sales of new electric guitars, uh, you saw them dipping from about a million and a half a year 10 years ago to about just over a million uh, more recently. Uh, and that's, that's quite a drop. I mean, I'm not a businessman, but, you know, you hear about businesses complaining when they have a 2 or 3 or 4% growth rate every year. To see that kind of a drop over time told me, you know, maybe there's something going on. And then I just 
took a little bit of a mental, you know, examination of where I see, you know, music right now. And, you know, I'm an old man, I'm 46. And I think about how I started listening to music as a kid and the kinds of people I was listening to and that idea of the guitar hero, which it's important to define what that is. That's not the greatest guitarist in the world. That's not somebody who's an amazing guitarist. That's somebody who makes you pick up a guitar as a kid and play. And it's not a scientific thing. But, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Page with his uh, dragon suit and, like, gnomes and, you know, slapping at the guitar with a, uh, a bow, that is a guitar hero. Uh, Alan Holdsworth, who probably was a better guitarist than Jimmy Page, I wouldn't even say probably, that is not a guitar hero. So, you know, you take stock and you say, who are the guitar heroes of today? And it's very hard to kick off three or four of them, you know, or even two. Uh, while if I start going back to the 70s, 80s, I can use endless, you know. So I spent quite a bit of time working on this story. And, uh, you know, do I think that there are going to be no electric guitars in 10 years? No, of course not. But I think that we're seeing a, a, a trend here and a shift, and it's changed, you know, the way that our culture works, really. All right. I just want to make one correction, uh, Jeff. You are not old. Jim and I are old. We are exactly the same kind of old. Um, you are but a child. Um, <laughs> he, so, he's right now, you know. He's <laughs> right, Jeff. <laughs> so, yeah. so, Jim, to that point, so one of the things that Jeff says is in his piece is that uh, the— the um, the challenge for the electric guitar is the change the challenge of Apple and every other company. How do you get, as he just said, a young person to want to pick something up and use it? So let's just start with you. Who or what made you pick up a guitar and want to use it? Well, well it's interest. Something Jeff said is maybe helps us too, um, because he referenced Jimmy Page, who's a guitar hero for a lot of people, made them play guitar, and then. Referenced Alan Holdsworth, who is a guitar hero to guitar players. Mm-hmm. So there's maybe different. You might even of, have to explain who Alan Holdsworth. Okay, so is. Alan Holdsworth is this prodigious kind of player. He recently died, uh, who sprung on the fusion scene with Tony Williams back in the '70s during when all that steroidal fusion music was happening, and he made art out of it. While a lot of other people were making sort of fast out of it, just sort of athleticness and prowess out of it. Uh, and, and, of course, Jimmy Page was not that. He was an articulate, sort of interesting, splashy player. Mm. Um, so for me, I had listened to a lot of guitar players, like on Country Jamboree in, before the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew I wanted to play guitar, and I had a guitar, and I was playing guitar. Then the Beatles came on TV. And I think that was a gigantic explosion that exploded in infinite directions and is probably still reverberating today. Um, And then you go through all these decades of various manifestations of guitar playing. I wonder if in 20 years or 30 years people are going to be talking about the death of the laptop Mm. and and laptop (laughs) music. And and maybe they're the same thing. I'm not so sure that that they're that different. Well, I said to you, we've been emailing back and forth about this today, and I said to you, I think actually the guitar solo may be a little bit like the poem in the sense that the poem really was for a long time one of the primary means of conveying inspiration and an inspirational expression. Today, if you ask somebody if they want to go hear some poetry, they say no. If they hear it, they really like it a lot. But, you know, I mean, Jeff, you had the um, opportunity to talk to an actual Beatle about this topic. Uh, You talked to one Paul, Sir Paul McCartney. What did he have to say about it? Well, 
I mean, he sort of commiserated, I'd say. You know, the idea that there weren't the same kinds of guitar heroes today as when he was, you know, coming up. I mean, he talked about seeing Hendrix in a club in, you know, 68, I think, and how that changed him. And, you know, the thing that's important is, and, and, and I, I, the guitar hero thing, uh, it is important to not get fixated on the idea that things were better in the old days, because I do think, um, you know, Paul McCartney is, is slightly older than I am. And I think there is a little bit of that, like, hey, you know, oh, when I was a young man, uh, people did, you know, this, and they did, they weren't all into computers, and they didn't stare at their phones. You know, um, I mean, every generation has had, uh, you know, a negative reaction to the to the new. Um, but you know, I think that what what he made me think about, at least, was how you get exposed to, you know, different music and and, and different things. And you know, the fact is. Uh, there just isn't as much, there's not really a radio, um, you know, industry in the same way that there used to be. There's not a music industry in the same way that there used to be. So, uh, you know, for kids, it's kind of like they're at the, um, you know, you know they're, they're at the mercy of their phones or at, um, you know, what shows up on their Spotify list. So it is a different universe. I mean, Vernon Reed also talked about all the distractions. You know, Vernon Reed, the great guitarist from Living Color, and all the distractions. I'll also say, you know, when I saw Vernon Reed for the first time, it was 1989 in a huge stadium opening up for the Rolling Stones, and now Living Color, which is still a giant-sounding band, you know, they'll play like a club with like 800 people. So it's it's partially that, you know? Um, you know, Jim, I think also we have to sort of talk, also, there's all of that, everything that Jeff is saying, but I think there's some other things that are kind of primal here. And, and one of them is the notion that in 1950 or 1960, the guitar seemed a little forbidden and a little dangerous, right? We've got the legend of Robert Johnson basically making a Faustian bargain with the devil and to learn how to play guitar. And, and its ethos, that ethos stayed with it for a long time, right? You, you talked to me today about sure. Presley and... So, and, so and, you got Elvis and you got uh, Chuck Berry sort of popularizing it and, and making it accessible to white people. And then Elvis sort of making it sexual mm-hmm. and, and Eddie Cochran and those guys uh, uh, sort of making it theatrically sexual. Um, the Beatles sort of picked up on that and then they made it a little more vanilla and more about music than about the guitar. But at the same time, it, it, you have Hendrix and Clapton coming out and they're very transgressive in the way they're approaching it with almost with like Miles Davis-like solos or, or length in, in solos. So a whole different kind of approach is born. I think to Jeff's point, he's right. There's the delivery system for us. There was a small way to aggregate music. There was there was the Ed Sullivan show. There was, and there was AM radio. And then in the seventies was FM radio. And I remember making that choice. Like, do I want to go from this huge variety pool to this sort of honed, weaned down playlist that seems a little more experimental and cool? And of course, I did do it. <laughs> but I'm not sure it was the best decision. And later on, that guy Lee Abrams created this homogenized playlist. So people began to self-select out of this musical gene pool sometime in the 70s. And we're feeling that now in addition to the technological portion that Jeff referenced. So we have this idea. I think one of the things that really is imperiled is this guitar hero. And that's the notion. I mean, Guitar solos, I think, were initially a an idea that came out of black music, but ultimately white musicians kind of co-opted them. And there was this kind of notion of this young guy standing under the spotlight on stage 
this a Bob Seger song that I'm singing? Yeah. I'm okay. the star of this movie, <laughs> kind of that. So, that yeah, yeah, he's the star of this movie. And, and this notion of expression, this kind of Keatsian pouring forth of one's soul could happen through a guitar. Um, I used to think that during every solo. <laughs> what would Keats say? <laughs> I could tell that. Um, often mouthing Ode to a Nightingale as right. you're playing. So, um, and, and so I, I always think there's a Stephen Stills obscure song called My Favorite Set of Changes where he says, um, if you're still listening, I hope you remember the kid with the big white guitar. And you've got Springsteen, Springsteen and Thunder Road saying, and I got this guitar and I learned how to make it talk. That's very much that sort of idea that Jeff, that you're writing about. And we, we think about who epitomizes this today. And one of the closest things that we could maybe cite would be John Mayer. John Mayer will be playing at a venue near us on August 20th. Jeff, um, in your article, I thought the funniest quote in your article, not that your article is meant to be a funny article, but the funniest quote was from somebody that you talked to about John Mayer. What did he say again? Well, I can't quote it exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the story in front of me. But, I mean, you know, basically, I think uh, he said, uh, you know, there aren't uh, kids aren't picking up guitars because of John Mayer. And I'd also argue that, um, you know, I was given, you know, people would mention, diff- especially guitar company people who, like, have sponsors with different guitars. They would mention, like, Mark Tremonti, you know, from Creed. And I just don't, I mean, again, maybe I'm out of touch, but I don't feel like because of the fact that there's not the same radio and music structure in place, I, I feel like it's unlikely that that same influence is being felt from those guys as, as these giants, you know, the Beck, Clapton, Page, Eddie Van Halen, those guys. Um, you know, so without insulting John Mayer, the guy's a great guitarist, you know? I mean, he's not like, he, he, and his diary is wonderful. And, you know, there's so many things that are great about John Mayer. I don't want to insult him, but I'm not sure that he's, he's the answer, if that makes sense. Uh, I, that, was, that was deftly delivered. <laughs> that was very diplomatic. Well, yeah, yeah. What about uh, Derek Trucks, who seems to be taking a, who could still play the long form solo like that and and deliver something truly inspiring. I think every time he plays, um, it might be filling a niche that was absent for a long time. But again, to Jeff's but point, you're, does, you're, playing, you're yeah. playing a game here that you can't win, which is, you know, Try me, going, what about Mark? What about Mark Rebo? I love Mark Rebo. He's such a great guitarist. You know, we're, now you're falling into the great guitarist thing. Yeah, yeah, right, as right. As opposed to the yeah. guitar god thing. I just want to like, I want to make one important point, which, which you haven't gotten to. Is, and it's not a bad thing, but, you know, one of the most, like, amazing performances I saw last year was when I saw Tribe Called Quest perform. Uh, I don't were they on the Grammys? I don't know. It was yep. an amazing performance. Let's remember that, like, in this golden era, there was no hip-hop, you know? I mean, it, the first real commercial breakthrough in rap was, uh, it wasn't the first rap song, but the first commercial breakthrough on white radio, mainstream radio, was Walk This Way. That's July of... Uh, 1986, um, there were no home music studios until like 
you know, the early, I think the four track came out in like 79 or 80 or something. So I think that's something that we want to just also remember. And it's not a bad thing. You know, a lot of people posted on our article, oh, rap, rappers ruin everything. I like rap. Right. I, um, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a point very much worth making. And But I think the point is, I, I think back to an, an unexceptional guitar player and not an electric guitar player, Steve Forbert. But I remember him saying that he got to New York City and he said, how can I make as much noise as possible? So I stamped my feet and I played my guitar and I played the harmonica and I sang. And, and in a way, the guitar, whether it was acoustic or electric, was if you wanted to communicate all these feelings that you had inside you and you were going to do that in a musical manner, the guitar was probably the first choice of everybody except Billy Joel. So, you know, and what's the first choice now? Yeah, maybe some kind of home studio with synth equipment and, and, and ways that you can manufacture beats. and la- Yeah, that right? laptop. Yeah. Ableton and, and propeller head. Right. So it's it's not, you know, there was, yeah, there was no rap. There was no EDM either. You know, there was no Skrillex. Um, but Jeff, in a way, isn't that really what the guitar is or what it was anyway, the most attractive, direct way to express yourself musically? Well, yes. It was, but I, I agree. I mean, but the thing is, you know, in 1925, maybe the mandolin was the most, you know, the, the most visceral way to express yourself or, or the banjo or the clarinet. And those things didn't go away. They just were no longer a center of American culture, you know, which they had been. I mean, there were mandolin orchestras. There so, was the great banjo scare of the early 2000s. Right. And there's still Chris Thiele. Yeah. Um, no, that's absolutely true. I think the other thing that you hear that you that we uh, and Jim, I love your reaction to this. For example, there's um, a band that I've started to like over the last few years called Cotton Mather. They've been around since the 90s. But um, New Music Express called them the best guitar based pop band since Supergrass or something. And I thought you wouldn't have had to say guitar based about a pop band in the 60s, 70s or 80s. That's what the pop bands were. They were guitar bands. There's a rapper named Machine Gun Kelly who uh, we're going to play a little bit of right now. But um he also plays guitar. Uh, and uh, I was reading a profile of him in Rolling Stone where he, I think, uh, played this song to label people or agents or producers, and they told him, too much guitar. Oh, she said you need to let me go. Still remember what you wore on the first night. Still remember how that black dress had you. So, Jim, put on your producer hat for a second. Nobody ever said too much guitar to anybody for a number of years, right? Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> actually, did. you might have. I can actually think, I can name people that you have said that. Yeah, to, yeah but, I've said that. But, so, but that was recently. Yeah, but it's interesting. No, I, I think, you know, if we go back to what Jeff said about the various instruments kind of cycling in and out, the guitar has had a long, long run. And in all sorts of manifestations, it's always going to be a popular parlor instrument. It, I, I really do think it gets down to this sort of uh, uh, media delivery system that we, we have. Now, this music that we're hearing right now can come out of an iPhone. But I don't know if you could hear, like, cream in the studio versus cream live and go, like, yeah, I like that. You, on, you your know, iPhone. on your iPhone. Yeah. Correct. Um, so, so it is funny that there's a pushback against guitar. You know, I mean, and, and to Jeff's point about uh, hip hop, 
um, it did take a long time to crack through, say, MTV and all those sort of delivery systems. But it, it was certainly legitimate early on and was a direct uh, descendant of R&B music. And, you know, James Brown dominated the charts for a long time. You know, the, another thing that's in your article, Jeff, is that um, the uh, another flipping point here is that at a certain point recently, um, acoustic guitar sales started to exceed electric guitar sales for the first time in a very, very long time. And, and I'm wondering about that, too, that, you know, as, as rock music becomes more electronic in various ways, uh, and just using that as a kind of catch-all word, one reaction against that is the warmer sound of an acoustic guitar. So Ed Sheeran usually is seen with an acoustic guitar. I was just going through my playlist. Probably the guitar player who has moved me the most in the last 12 months is a guy named Riley Walker who plays kind of a you know freak folk style uh, acoustic guitar. Is that another thing that's happening? Is the acoustic guitar kind of coming back to the fore a little bit? Well, I think also, um, you know, part of it is that, let's just make clear, the acoustic guitar has not been booming dramatically. I mean, what it's basically done is it had a slow increase over time, and it hasn't been collapsing, you know, as far as new sales go. So it's not like they're just going crazy with acoustic guitars, but they have been holding. And I think, you know, in that article, I talked to the CEO of Fender, and he made this interesting point, which seems to get people aggravated, but he said that basically... He mentioned Taylor Swift, and he said she was more of a guitar hero than almost anyone right now, uh, in a way, because there are more girls picking up the guitar because they're seeing Taylor Swift play. Uh, and, you know, the first thing great guitarist says, oh, Taylor Swift, she can't play that well. She's just, uh, you know, she's just using it as a prop. Well, she's not using it as a prop, but she's certainly not a guitarist with the kind of technique of many of these people we've mentioned. But... It does make a good point, which is Ed Sheeran or, or Taylor Swift. You know, you kids tend to pick up what they see, and what they uh, what they see right now is they see, you know, these stars playing acoustic guitar. All of this stuff is speculation. I mean, that's an important thing to say. All of it goes into the pot, and we debate it and discuss it, but it's all speculation because there's no science to it. We don't know the answer. You know, we don't know how how few guitars are going to be sold in 10 years or if things will somehow recover, though I, it's hard to imagine they will. Um, I, you know, uh, Jim and I were also emailing back and forth about this whole guitar hero notion. And I, I think the other thing that we maybe need to say before we end this segment, Jim, is that the other thing that happens, and we're going to be talking about it a lot in the final segment today, is people just start finding other things to do with a guitar. I just wrote that down. <laughs> okay. That's certainly weird. Well, so um, to that end... Um, let's play a little bit of Nirvana, and then you can talk a little bit about that. We're, we're going to save the Stevie Wonder stuff to the C segment, yeah, but yeah, but but, but uh, let's play a little Nirvana, and then I'll have you react to that. Okay, so we were emailing today. You were saying Kurt Cobain didn't really have technique the way, say, maybe even Jimmy Page had technique. Right? I, I think he had a disdain for it. Yeah. You know? So it, to me, he's one of those guys who's just brilliant and heard something in his head and moved his hands around until he found a cool thing that he liked 
and it became music. Yeah, and, and th- that's hard to do. So that's one of the things that happens with the guitar. I don't know if you want to say more about it. But yeah, people start I, well, re- that, redefining comes, what's good. Maybe that's a logical extension of guys in the garage or guys in the, the you know whatever who are. It's certainly a transgressive moment, and it's a huge reaction to the giant hair rock and and during that steroidal shreddy period of the late 80s. Um, And and just before I forget it, uh, one of the things that could help the guitar is when guitarists think away from playing guitar. Tom Morello, the guy from Rage Against the Machine, started imitating turntablists and created his whole other little genre. Now, I don't know that that's going to become a guitar hero in the sense that Jeff is talking about it, but it's a pretty inspiring moment For me, as a person who like, you know, I sort of like Rage Against the Machine, but I really like this guy and I like what he's doing. And and to me, I could see him being a guitar hero. I don't know that that's a legit thing or not. Certainly not in the context Jeff is talking about it. But he's imitating a turntable. Pretty soon, somebody with a laptop is going to imitate Tom Morello and you get this sort of mixing of... Gotcha. Of things. All right. Uh, we've got to end this segment. Thanks so much to Jeff Edgers calling us from Maine uh, and also his dog, who I think made some pretty good contributions Hendrix. to this conversation. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about, yeah, Taylor Swift. Well, we're going to talk about who is picking up guitars. And they are, in many cases, the so-called other half of the population. All right. Well, so that's Stevie Ray Vaughan, and that's kind of about as expressive as guitar playing gets, but it's also very male sounding. And we are going to talk uh, right now uh, about one of the other real revolutions in guitar music. Jeff Edgers was talking about the decline in sales of the electric guitar um, and ways in which the kind of traditional guitar hero model might be broken. Jim and I have been uh, talking a little bit about that, too. But now we're going to talk to Cynthia Schemmer, managing editor of She Shreds magazine. She's also a tongue twister uh, and a working guitarist and singer-songwriter. Welcome to our conversation, Cynthia Schemmer. Hi, Colin. Thanks for having me. Um, great to have you. First of all, maybe tell us um, what... <laughs> this is such a mean thing to call your magazine. What? Tell us what She Shreds actually is. <laughs> um, so She Shreds is many things. Um, it was started in Portland by Fabi Reyna, um, and currently it exists as a website. We have a blog that we update daily, um, and then we have a print magazine that's released three times a year. Um, but also, you know, Fabi does plenty of things surrounding She Shreds. She does showcases. We have release parties, um, all kinds of things surrounding the magazine. Um, and, and so um, one of the things that you're doing, obviously, then is calling attention to the fact that there's a whole generation of people who have picked up guitars who are not 12-year-old boys. Um, so, so, yeah, say a little bit more about that. Sure, yeah. So I think She Shreds comes from a place of, you know, this idea that women have always been out there. Women have always been playing guitar. They've always been playing music. And I think that's been left out of the narrative 
Um, people like Sister Rosetta Stark, like, you know, we didn't really start hearing about her until recently. She did so much press, and this is someone that was playing, you know, 1900s, and, you know, so she tries this kind of here. Oh, we're having a little bit of a phone problem here. You know what? I'm What I'm going to do, and this will work out perfectly, is I'm going to have uh, the producers recontact Cynthia, see if we can uh, shore up that phone con- uh, contact a little bit. And while we're doing that, let's hear one of the acts that, in fact, is covered by Cynthia Shemmer's magazine, one of the groups that she likes a lot. These are Screaming Females. <laughs> Before we go back to Cynthia, Jim, you're a producer. I know the names of many uh, young women who've shown up at your uh, studio's doorstep with acoustic guitars. Are you starting to see this? Uh, have you run into the phenomenon of, I, and I know there's some people with electric guitars who've also passed through some of the TV stuff that you. you yeah, with. sure. I, um, more importantly, I make sure that every year I take a female intern mm-hmm. for the studio and because I think it is, there's way, just way too much testosterone in this whole business. And I think it's good for everybody to have more women everywhere. Um, so, so yeah, I think I, I'm not sure that that women have gotten the attention that they deserved as guitar heroes, and I'm not sure as if they even went after that attention the way that young men are <laughs> prone to go after that. Like, you know, there's not a female Allman Brothers that will play. 30-minute jams um, that I know of, and, and maybe that's the attention part. Yeah. Um, well, that's why we're going to both go start reading She Shreds magazine. Down so, by the She Shore. Yeah, where, so we'll know a little <coughs> bit more about that. So, Cynthia, you're back with us now. I guess one thing I, I would like to know is whether you see some qualitative difference, both maybe in playing style and attitudes towards being a rock star between the, the new generation of female guitar heroes as opposed to their male predecessors. You know, I think it depends. Like, I think what um, what Jeff was talking, or what you and Jeff were talking about earlier in terms of Nirvana and kind of just like making the guitar talk and going in there and into you know the garage and doing your own thing. I mean, I think that's something that recently women have been doing. You know, I think that guitar lessons don't necessarily appeal to women too technical. You know, they go home and they learn it themselves and they figure it out. And so I think that's the difference. Is that yes, there are plenty of women who you play technical guitar, but in terms of the millennials and younger generation, I really think that women are kind of learning on their own terms and kind of just creating new sounds, new ways of playing. So uh, once again, we're having a little bit of a phone problem, but let's uh, press through to the best uh, of our ability. So I'm taking it then, Cynthia, that you don't buy the uh, the argument of our first guest, Jeff Edgers, that the electric guitar and the notion of the 16 electric guitar and the guitar uh, player who plays exciting rock solos, that that's on the way out. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think 
it'll always be there. Um, you know, I think that people are good. I think we're learning how to do that. But yeah, that there's more experimenting going on. You know, I think that people are yeah kind of leave behind in terms of you know getting on stage and. All right, so I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. We're going to grab a break. Um, we're going to also make one more attempt, I think, to uh, shore up the phone connection here, if we possibly can. I should say that as we're going out of the breaks, uh, we're trying to play significant um, music. I mean, we played also John Mayer and Joe Bonamassa because they're playing around here. I think we're going out of this with Royal Blood and Lights Out. down was produced by Jonathan McPants and me, Kyone Wolf, Amanda Fish. I can't even hear myself think. The part of Bill Curry was played by, shut up, by Jeff Skunk Baxter. On tomorrow's show, please turn it down. The slippery history of ink. And um, I give up. <laughs> it was kind of loud, wasn't it? It's my childhood right there. That You know, Jim Chapdillion, that was, I think, the guy from Megadeth, uh, shredding, as we say. This yeah. is where we've used a bunch of times, and I, I was emailing to you, and I said, I actually think shredding is one of the things that disrupted the model of the guitar hero as this particularly soulful and soul-expressing musician. But maybe we should say what shredding is. Uh, shredding would be the hyper-athleticized uh, performance of guitar, I guess. You know, I can't. I'm not going to slag shredders because because I have a life to live and and I will hear from every one would of my you, friends. Would, would you I, slag shredders on she shreds? Down by the she shore, I would <laughs> sure, certainly. Um, you know, shredding is one of the tributaries that came out of metal, and and it's just one that just never appealed to me. I don't. I probably can't do it for one, but but, <laughs> but two, I don't want to because you can go on YouTube and see a kid in his room in Argentina who's 13 who can shred his mind off and for hours. So I, I guess I would have, uh, for me, it just never appealed to me musically. But it is certainly steroidal and fast and relentless, and there are guys who love it, and I applaud them. Right. No, play, playing too fast is a big part too, of it. Okay. So th- that's, a, like, that's a shorter way of saying yeah. it. Um, uh, it's not Amos Garrett, and it's not, um, and it's not uh, the guys who played with Steely Dan, and it's not Al Anderson. Right. So um, I just want to say one thing before we go back to Cynthia, um, which is, I don't know, how many years have you been playing guitar? A long, long, long time. And I, I don't know how to, like, I've seen you many times play guitar with the pick super glued to your hand. Mm-hmm. And my sense is that guitar playing, if you do it like over a lifetime, it beats the crap out of your body. <laughs> it, it, I think there is a certain 
portion of that. That's true. I've had five reconstructive surgeries on my right hand and lost use of part of my left hand. So part of that is like at first when you get these surgeries, it's a challenge. Mm. Oh, I'll have to learn some new stuff. <laughs> By number five, like I don't want to learn new stuff anymore. <laughs> I want to go to my gig and have my hands. So uh, the novelty of that is worn off. All right. But uh, I'm re-upping this week my commitment. It's my two-year Marine reenlistment. All right. Well, forgive me for laughing at your excruciating pain. I'm used to it. Okay. Cynthia Schummer's back with us, uh, managing editor of She Shreds magazine, uh, and she's a working guitarist herself and a singer-songwriter. So I think we have a better phone connection, right? I think so. I hope oh, so. million Ooh. times better. million times better. <laughs> she got that Neumann phone. Yeah. So um, we played at one point uh, during the break The Screaming Females. Tell us a little bit about The Screaming Females. Sure. So they're a band out of Philadelphia. Um and in my opinion, Marissa Paternoster, who is the guitarist and singer in that band, is a woman that shreds. Um, she, writes a, she writes great songs. She can play guitar. She's my guitar hero, let's say that. Mm. <laughs> if I were to look up to someone, I would look up to Marissa in terms of, you know, shredding. And, you know, they've toured the world. They've played with Dinosaur Jr. They've played with Big Axe. And, uh, you know, she, she shreds, Yeah. I would be curious. Do you know of the guitarist Mary Halverson, who's no, like a really familiar? I don't. Think she's so. just a really um, innovative jazz player, and uh, and I think she's amazing. So I hope you guys cover her. She's fantastic. Well, the, the life of the guitar in the jazz world, I think, also is is a different life too. I mean, yeah, it's had a, sure. And to a certain degree, degree, the blues world. I mean, Susan Tedeschi's been around for a while. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna play another sort of. Uh, Shimmer, she shreds kind of cut. This is uh, Valerie June. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. Cynthia, tell us a little bit about Valerie June. Besides, we love it. Yeah, we love her. We I both love, love her. Yeah. It's, she's great, right? Yeah, so she she actually played in Philly pretty recently, a couple of months ago. Um, yeah, and you know, it's interesting because her style of music is really hard to pin down. You know, I think there's some folk, I think there's some soul and blues in there, some Americana. Um, but she, you know, we've talked to her, um, and she doesn't like to be contained to one genre. And, you know, she plays guitar, she plays banjo, um, she doesn't use pedals. She she keeps things really simple, and you know she's this person that embodies someone that plays guitar so 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 well, but in a really stripped down way, and is really good at what she does. You know, kind of going back to what I'm saying, where it's like she's good at guitar. She might not be you know a technical shredder per se, but like she does it in her own way, and that's what makes it so good. By the way, if you want to uh, tweet at us uh, your guitar heroes or your reaction to this conversation in general, it's uh, we're at WNPR Colin at WNPR Colin. So a number of people, Jim, have tweeted to at us, apropos of the conversation we're having with Cynthia, too. Well, I mean, Jody Mitchell's a great guitar player. Bonnie Ray's a great guitar player. This has been around for a while. Although I think if we're going to talk about kind of the six-string electric guitar solo, we're not really going to talk about Joni Mitchell. She's something else entirely, right? Played yeah, with she she created tunings. her own thing, 30 different tunings, you know, guitars everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, one thing about Joni Mitchell, she was... Hanging with the 
you know, in the with Stephen Stills and all those guys, the, all the testosterone, she obliterated that. I think she was able to to hang with that and notch it up in her own way. I, I think she's pretty incredible. Well, and yeah, what she, she did with the guitar is pretty, and she recognized other guitarists. Right. Well, we were talking a little bit about that earlier today, that I think Joni Mitchell, obviously, with the acoustic guitar, with all those bizarre um, idiosyncratic tunings, is an incredibly special animal unto herself. But the other thing she did was just hired the best guitar she could get, typically Robin Ford or Larry Carlton or— Jaco Pastoris on bass. Yeah, and and, and we heard—I mean, the, the Robin Ford solo in, on, in France, They Kiss on Main Street is probably my second favorite rock solo of all time. But that was sort of going out and getting— a really great guitarist, which is also what Steely Dan did. Cynthia, what you're talking about and writing about is the end of that, right? Bonnie Raitt usually had in her band a better guitarist than her, slightly better guitarist than her. This is about women who don't do that, right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there's plenty of women that play guitar in their bands and they have a second guitarist and they're playing leads and whatnot. But, you know, I think for the most part, a lot of the women we cover play most of the guitars in their in their projects for sure yeah and just do it learn how to do it themselves um, we wanted to, as we headed down the home stretch of this show, we've been playing a few of the songs that Cynthia likes, and we also wanted to just talk a little bit about what can happen with the guitar. We've got um, more stuff coming up like that. Uh, Jim, one of the people that you talked about a little while ago was uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave. This is the sweet, uh, sweet I can, why, why does everything on this show begin with a lot of S's? This is the Street Sweeper Social Club, which is not covered in She Shreds. Um, and you said that. Look at you. You're shredding with your mouth right Cynthia now. Shemmer has not mentioned the Street Sweeper Social Club. Um, so uh, let's play a little bit of that, and then you can say a little bit more about Morella. Two by two. So, Jim, maybe you want to say that, what you said about Tom Morello before. But this is, I mean, I think one of the things guitar players have been asking themselves for 30, 40, 50 years is, what else can this thing do? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, this solo is, I love what he did. That's a, it's a whammy pedal. It's not a whammy bar. It's a pedal. So he can do it with his feet. And it's just, a, he's really innovative with it. It's a cool thing. Uh, but what what it doesn't get to is the other innovative thing he, he got to that, would, that I thought was pretty smart. He was listening to hip-hop music and hearing guys scratch, and he did that on guitar through flipping his pickups on and off and scratching the strings and stuff and really created a thing out of that. It, to me, that's the cool thing about innovative music is when they, when they do it. I'm not a particularly a student of Rage Against the Machine, but I, I really like this guy. 
Um, Cynthia, that's an interesting point, too, about this young generation of women um, guitarists, is, which is that their influences are different, right? Their influences now do will include, I assume, everything from hip-hop to EDM to yeah, anything else that anybody else is doing. There's a lot of very synth and electronic-based music out there, but that doesn't mean a guitarist can't hear that and incorporate it into what they do. Oh, for sure. No, I mean, I think it totally works together, you know, and I think that I mean, you know, within guitar music, like, I think that now there's more women than ever that have ever been playing. So I think that women have, I mean, you know, of course there was Joni Mitchell and all of those people in the 60s, and there's always been women playing music. But I just think now more than ever with the rise of the Internet, easy accessibility to more music, there's just way more women for other women who are learning to play to look up to. Um. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of uh, one of the other uh, songs that uh, you curated for us. This is uh, Outer Space's I Was Divided. So, Cynthia, time is limited, but do you want to say something about this? Sure, yeah. Kind of what you were saying before in terms of women, you know, looking up to other kinds of music. Kara, Beth Sadalino, who plays in Outer Spaces, um, I've known her for about 15 years, and she originally played with just a piano. Um, and so she's been playing for a long time, and then she's always played guitar, but then she has just started, you know, she's been playing guitar more off, often recently, um, but was able to use her experience with piano to kind of ch- just transition over to using more guitar um, but they're an amazing band. They're based out of Baltimore. She's the sole songwriter. She has people play with her on it. Um, yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. So um, before we run out of time, uh, Jim, I think you and I were at the same Stevie Wonder show uh, where we saw this thing, although I think I'd already seen it on the documentary that Spike Lee did about the album Off the Wall because they interviewed uh, Stevie Wonder, and he took out this strange thing to play his version of I Can't Help It. Uh, and anyway, let's hear a little bit of this thing, and then we'll tell you what it is. We have turned from racism We have turned for criticism Held bondage by our isms When will there be a time to love? We make time to debate religion Passing fields and building prisons. All right. So nobody's ever seen Stevie Wonder play a guitar, although he might have played guitars for, like, Music of My Mind in the studio or something. This isn't a guitar, exactly. It's called a harpeggi. I don't know. Do you want to try to describe it? Uh, yeah. I, it's, you know, you're, it's almost, would it be, like a dulcimer that's vertical, that's facing away from you, and, and the strings are coming towards you, and he's playing it like a keyboard, but it sounds exactly like a guitar, and it was... You were at the same show that I was, yeah. and it was mind-blowing when he played it. You're thinking, who's playing guitar? But it was just him with this instrument. So I immediately Googled it when I got home, 
you know, with the intention of buying of, one. Of course, yeah. They're four thousand dollars, which I didn't have the whimsical uh, urge to spend at that moment. But it really is. I, I don't know who else will play this like him, but he was really very, very soulful and proficient at it. But I think that's you know once again we're back to the playing beating the same drum yeah, yeah, in the right. conversation about guitars, Cynthia Shemmer. But you know a lot of the story of guitar is innovation uh, and people playing you know guitar through different kinds of amps and stuff like that. I mean maybe Cynthia, that's one of the reasons guitars don't ever die is because nobody ever really gives up on them. Oh, for sure. I yeah. I mean thinking about Jeff's article, you know, I read it a few times. I read it when it came out and. I don't see how it can die. You know, I don't see people stop playing it. Um, women, everybody's going to keep playing the guitar. I do think, however, um, that one thing that needs to be addressed is um, these guitar companies and their advertising. You know, women are 50% of the market out there. And, you know, we historically, we've never even seen women included in these magazines. You know, and I, and I think things are changing, and maybe these companies are starting to see that. And I think it needs to keep changing, you know, in terms of not letting the guitar die. Cynthia, in the 80s, they would be included in the advertising, but not in any way that we'd, we would want to talk about. <laughs> exactly. No, not, not as performers. And up until recently, too. It didn't right. stop in the 80s, you know? All right. We have to stop now. This has been a fascinating conversation. We're going to end. Of course, we have to end with Cynthia Schemmer's solo project, Swanning. The song is Swanning. Thanks very much to Jim Chapdelaine, to Jeff Jeff, Aber- Jeff Edgers, and to uh, Cynthia Schemmer. Thanks also to Jonathan McNichol for getting this show together. 